Did you know, did you know that it is easier to stay warm than to get warm? Did you know that? Some of you knew that. The reason is because when your body loses warmth, um, your, your body goes into overdrive and it actually burns more fuel trying to get you warmed up. And, and so your, your uh, blood vessels, they constrict, especially, especially to your extremities, because your body is smarter than your mind. Your body knows if we don't protect the vital organs, it's not going to matter whether we have hands or feet or not. So you're going to have to work extra hard and it's going to be harder to get warm than to stay warm. Well, did you also know that it's easier to stay out of debt than to get out of debt. Can anyone testify? Uh Uh-huh. In this series, we've been looking at what your money would say if your money could talk. And we said week one that um, your money would say, I can add meaning to your life, but I am not the meaning of your life. If If money is the meaning of your life, you got troubles. You got more troubles than just money troubles. So I'm trying to find my, my Benjamin. There he is. So he say, I can add meaning, but do not make me the number one issue in your life. Week two, your self-control is what your money would say. Your self-control determines which of us get control and how foolish to let a Benjamin tell you what to do. It will go where you tell it to, or it'll go where, wherever it wants to. Somebody's got to be in charge. And your money would say, the reason I'm in charge, the reason you feel like you're out of control is because I'm in charge because you have no self-control. Uh, you remember we talked about the, uh, the, Josh and the Great Wall, and we talked about the little, the little peas, the French peas sitting up there, and they say, you silly little pickle, you silly little peas. You think walking around this wall is going to bring this city to its knees, right? You remember all of that? This Benjamin would say, you are so foolish to allow me to be in control. You silly little pickle. You silly little peas. Today, here's what your money would say to you. I'm easy to keep up with, but I'm di- difficult to catch up with, Right? Real easy to keep up with, difficult to catch up with. When it comes to money, we should never find ourselves saying, where'd it go? I don't know. One of my favorite, favorite words that Waylon says right now is, it pissed appeared. <laughs> Something goes missing. Where is it, Waylon? It pissed appeared. First time he said that, we're like, what? Say that again. It pissed appeared. And so you know how when you have a little three-year-old and they, they talk, it, it's swippery and um, can we play? And you know, can all of this... It pissed appeared. You should never say about your money, it just pissed appeared. <laughs> it's like milk at my house, all right? There's a finite amount of milk that comes into our house, but I love milk. I have milk with breakfast. If we have anything sweet, you know, so like if I, if I have Bluebell, I have milk after Bluebell. Sometimes after that, then I need something salty, so I have milk and crackers, and I just drink milk, and then when Waylon comes to my house, we drink milk, and it just disappears. It pissed appears. And, and I'll say, Janie, do we have any milk? Or she'll say, do we have any milk? And, and it's not like, I don't know. It's like, go look. Because we have an extra refrigerator out in the game room and, and there's usually milk out there. And if there's not in the main refrigerator, you go out there and you just check. And if there's no milk there, you're like, what? We don't have any milk. It didn't piss up here. We used it all. There was a finite amount that came in. We drank it all. It's gone. You should never, ever say, I don't know where my money went. It's because you're not paying attention. See, there's mystery when it comes to love. Would y'all agree with me? There's mystery when it comes to love and romance. There's mystery when it comes to middle schoolers and junior hires and high schoolers. There's a lot of mystery. There's mystery in some decisions, but there should be absolutely no mystery because does anybody here have an infinite, that means unending supply of money. Let me see your hand. You got, are you one of those? No, there's only so much that comes in and logically there should only be so much that goes out. Now I know we have credit cards and that's a problem, but we're not going to talk about that today. 
When you lose track of money, money takes over. And you know what you feel when money's in charge? Out of control. Because you are. Money would say, I'm, I'm easy to track, but if you lose track of me, you're not just going to lose money. You're going to lose peace of mind. And I will control your life. So don't throw that Benjamin down there. So it did not disappear. I knew exactly where it went. You did too. And some of you are thinking, we hope it, he thinks it disappeared. So this series, the idea of this series came from Andy Stanley. He's one of my favorite preachers. And he was talking about he and his wife were having this discussion about for years they have, they have everything that comes in, everything that goes out, they have, they have observed that. And here's what she said about it. She said, when you know you're going to record it, you'll be more inclined to consider whether you should afford it. Now, that's awesome, but it's too long for me. So here's my shortened version. When you record it, you'll know if you can afford it, right? Say that with me. When you record it, you'll know if you can afford it, right? That's the problem. Now, in the paycheck to paycheck era, uh, era of life, times of life, and, and I'm not even going to ask you to tell me if you're in the paycheck to paycheck, because all of us go through the paycheck to paycheck time of life, right? When you're in that area, when you record how much money's coming in, it actually takes the pressure off of you. And then when you're in the years of plenty and you're some of you're going, well, I don't have years of plenty. If you will record where your money's going, if you'll pay attention, there will be years of plenty. And then you're going to have something called margin. Anybody know what margin is? It's extra. Margin means, see, paycheck to paycheck, I'm living on the edge of a cliff. I'm going to fall off, right? Some of y'all thinking, man, if something happens, we, something bad about to happen, we, it's bad around this house. I'm going to be in trouble because I'm going to fall off the cliff financially. When you record what, you're, what is coming in, record what's going out, you slowly take steps back away from the cliff and it no longer feels like money's in control. Doesn't that seem wise? Somebody say yes. yes. Doesn't that seem wise? Margin is extra. And if you're feeling like you're on the edge of the cliff, then start paying attention to how much money comes in, pay attention to where it goes, and you'll move back from the cliff. Then as you get margin, as you get extra, recording it is actually going to put a little more pressure on you because as you have more and more, you need to look at it, and you're going to be confronted with how much you spend on you and how very little you spend on the things of God. And there is going to be a day you stand before God, and you're going to be embarrassed if you're not giving a percentage of your income to God on a regular basis. And I'm just going to tell you this. One of the, whenever I'm looking at candidates, whenever I'm, I'm voting, I always pay attention to how much they contribute to charity. And, and I'm not saying to churches necessarily, but to charity. And I am amazed at how many of our politicians, if you look at their, their record, they have some of them millions of dollars and they give 1% or 2% to charity. What that tells me is they have a hard, selfish heart. I don't want that type of person in charge of my finances on the governmental level. And let me tell you this, if you want to be in leadership in this church, you are required. If you're on the board, you're required to give 10%. We do pay attention to that. And if you're in leadership, you don't necessarily have to be tithing at the, at the beginning, but, but in our leadership agreement, it says you have to be making progress towards giving 10%. Here's why. I don't believe you'll get the blessings of God if you have people making decisions about finances who are selfish and stingy with their money. If you're not giving at least 10%, then you don't need to be on the board because we're making major financial decisions for this church. And if we want the blessing of God, we need to obey God. You, you never get the blessing of God while violating the principles of God. And in God's word, it says we're to be generous. 
And one or two percent, I'm sorry, that's not generous. Half a percent, that's not generous. Six percent, that's working towards it. Yay, awesome. Get up to 10%. Now, I hesitate to say that because you don't give 10% and then, then everything else is you. you. You start. I think the starting place for leadership in the kingdom of God is, is the 10%, the tithe, and then you are generous over and above that. One of the reasons that you feel like things are tight is because you don't know where it went. But once you know where it's going, you get into this habit of paying attention. It will actually keep a healthy pressure on you because the more you have, the, more, the closer attention you should be paying to that. Because here's what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Say treasures on earth. I want you to remember this. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. See, if you're, if you're not careful, those of us who have a little bit of margin, if we're not careful, we'll decide that I either need to spend it all on me. Go ahead and put that up there. Did I put that in, Nate? Or I'm going to save it all for me. What's the, what's the last word in both of those sentences? And so if you're spending it all on you, if you're saving it all for you, who's on the throne of your life? Me. It's not God. Jesus said, don't you do it. See, human nature is when we have more of something than we need, we, we aren't very careful with it. Right? Think, think of like water. If you're not careful, how many of you have ever been brushing your teeth and then something happens and you leave the water running in the sink and you go do something and you come back and the water's still running. Anybody? How many of you have ever been in the kitchen doing something, you turn the water on and then you go over to the fridge and then something else and the water's still running? Or you've been outside and you've been, back in the day, we had to wash our own cars with the, with the garden hose, you know, and we'd rinse it down and then we'd throw it over in the yard and it's just running out everywhere and you wash and wash and wash. You know why we do that? Because we have so much water we don't know what to do with. But there are countries, and let me tell you about Haiti. Haiti doesn't have, in most places, they do not have running water. They do not have electricity in a lot of the houses. And they would think it's insane that I have a sprinkler system in my yard, and I just let little sprinklers pop up and run water on the ground. They don't even have a category for that because water is so scarce in Haiti. In fact, in 2010, when the, when the uh, earthquake happened, they weren't supposed to go. Frank Pelican wasn't supposed to go to Haiti for another couple of years. They were going to expand. They said, we need to go to Haiti. Earthquake happens. They said, let's go get on the ground and see what, what's going on. And they said they were driving around. God just did some incredible stuff. But they said what really cemented the decision for them to, to start that year in 2010 instead of 2012 was they saw a little girl walk out. And, and in Haiti, no running water in most of the houses. They see this little girl, and, and if you've been to Haiti, dirt roads, and especially right after the earthquake, it was devastation. It was unbelievable devastation. And there was water running down from, from a rainstorm, and it's muddy, and it's nasty. And if you've ever been there, the, the, many people take their, their vehicles into the river. They wash their vehicles in the river. You're driving by, and, and you, may, you may see people out there taking a bath in the river because they don't have running water in their houses. And this little girl goes and stoops over and picks up this muddy water and begins to drink it. And praying pelican said, we got to come now. We can't wait. See, when you have too much of something, you don't pay attention to it and you waste it. Well, I think people are like that with their money sometimes. And you're like, oh, I don't have extra. Oh, you have extra. If you've bought a soda this week, you have extra. If you bought a coffee for more than a buck, I bought a $4 coffee the other day. Don't tell me I don't have extra. If you're a follower of Jesus, though, you, you, can't, you can't waste your money because of what he taught. See, when you stand before God, you can't just say, it pissed appeared. Sorry, God. 
So I'm going to challenge you. You know, I challenged you a couple weeks ago. I said, pick someplace. Even if you don't pick the church, pick someplace, pick a percentage of your income and just give it away and see if after a couple of months you don't feel better about life. Well, this challenge is I want you to pay attention for the next two months to where your money's going. Um, we are, Janie doesn't even know this. We are upgrading to the, so we have the, the every dollar. We have that. We, that's free from, from Dave Ramsey. If you go to everydollar.com, you can put in all of your income. You can put in all of your expenses. Well, we're going to upgrade to what it used to be called every dollar plus. Now it's called Ramsey plus because here's what it does. You can put in your credit cards and it automatically, when you make a charge, it automatically puts it into a category. And I'm like, wow, this is, that's a no brainer. It's $10.75 a month, so every time I run that credit card, it's going to put it over in a category, and then Janie and I are going to be able to look at it. And see, when I'm talking about this stuff, and I'm talking about I want you to spy on your money, I want you to see where your money's going, I want you to follow it, know what it's doing, some of you are just thrilled with this service. You're like, I'm not even a Christ follower, and this is the greatest sermon I've ever heard. They want to come up here and hug me, and some of you are like, this is from the pit of hell. I don't want to do this. You're telling me I need to pay attention to my money? That's from the pit of hell. See, opposites attract, right? And then opposites attack when there's not enough money. I'm just saying for two months until Thanksgiving. Why not? Why not? And then at the end of those two months, look at it. And if you don't like where it's going, adjust it. Be in charge. Don't wonder. Be in charge. And then there's some of you who are like, well, actually, I don't need to track it because it's all on the credit card statement. Here's a statement for you. Knowing you can know is not the same thing as knowing, having access to the information, how much you spent, and, and then actually knowing where it goes categorically, that's not the same thing. If it's on the credit card, you got no excuse. It's actually easier for you to track it. Get the Ramsey Plus and it'll track it for you. If you're a Christ follower, and, I, and when I say that, I'm, I'm trying to make a, a very distinct differentiation between a Christ follower and a believer because James said that the demons believe in Jesus and they shudder at his name and they're not going to be in heaven. I'm talking about a follower. If you're a follower of Christ, you're betting your eternity on, on one simple verse from the book of John. John was an eyewitness of Jesus' ministry. He records a time that a religious leader comes to Jesus at night and this religious leader says, Jesus, we know that you must be from God because no one can do the things that you do unless they're from God. Now, Nick at night had a very different um, view of Jesus than the rest of the religious leaders. That's why he came at night. He came to Jesus and, and he says, tell me some things. And Jesus said, hey, Nick, you know what? You need to be born again if you're going to see the kingdom of God. And he's, he's confused. This man, he says, can I enter my mother's womb again and be born? And he's like, no, 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 no. He didn't understand. And you and I really don't understand. Jesus wasn't talking about a physical birth. He's talking about a spiritual birth. And so it's not religion that gets you into heaven. It's not even, check this out, it's not even reformation. There's a lot of, uh, we actually talk about the great reformation when people were supposedly coming to God. But in the Old Testament, many times a king would say, hey, we're going to get rid of all the idols. We're going to have a reformation in our kingdom. And, and as long as that king was alive, man, everybody was worshiping God. No, they weren't. They were going through the motions till the king died and then they fell back into what they were doing before. A reformation is on the outside. What they needed was a regeneration. 
They were dead and Jesus makes them alive. And when Jesus makes you alive, you have to do what he says. So here's what John tells us about this thing. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes, belief that results in action. Because remember the demons believe and they shudder. Faith, my my favorite seminary professor said faith, actually the old spelling of faith is what we should go back to, F-A-I-T-H-E, because that means you believe it so much you do something about it. So whoever believes in him so much they do something about it shall not perish but have eternal life. And many of you at some time said, God, I need you to, the way we say it around here is is say, I I need you to be the forgiver of my sin and the leader of my life. And so you prayed that prayer based on this verse that God gave his son. And you're basing your eternity on on Jesus and what you find out in the Bible. And some of you, the reason, do you know the reason some of us, how many of you have ever prayed Heavenly Father when you're praying? Have you ever said Heavenly Father? Let me see that. You know why you say that? It's because of Jesus. There is no religious leader in the history of religions who ever taught that you call God Dad. Jesus did this in in, uh, Matthew 6, 9. They said, Jesus, teach us to pray. John's disciples taught him to pray. Teach us to pray. And Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father. Our what? Father in heaven, who is in heaven. And this this is interesting to me. Here he says, our Father, meaning we're related. If you've asked Jesus to save you, you've been adopted into the family. You are a brother or sister in Christ. He's our Father. Hallelujah is right. Thank you, Miss Katie. He is our father, but check this out. He's not just all of our fathers. He's an individual father. Look at Matthew 6, 8, the verse before that. Do not be like them. He's talking about the religious leaders. Earlier in this chapter, he said the religious leaders, when they fast, they make themselves look terrible. So you'll go, oh, you're such a spiritual person. When they pray, they use long words and long sentences and they pray forever and ever so that you'll say, oh, you're such a spiritual person. Jesus said, don't be like them. He says, do not be like them for your father." Individual, Your father knows what you need before you ask him. So don't think that you have to repeat all of this stuff over and over and over to get God to pay attention. He's a good, good father. He knows what you need. And in, in later in Matthew chapter 6, verse 32, he says, your heavenly father. Remember, this is, this is when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. He says, your heavenly father knows that you need them. What? All of these needs. He said, the birds of the air, they, they don't worry about what they're going to eat and, and God clothes the, feeds them and gives them instinct to know how to, how to have families and take care of their families. And he says, look at the, the flowers in the field. God cares for them. He says, how much more does God care for you? God knows what you need before you ask him. So, so here's the deal. You've asked God to take care of your eternity. When you pray, you call him Father. So why wouldn't you trust what Jesus said about money and possessions? Because, let me ask, if you or someone you love is sick, do you ever ask God to heal them? I have a prayer journal, and for weeks and months, Dennis Hargrave was in my prayer journal, and I was crying out to God. We'd pray at his house, and I'd I'd cry on the way home, and I'd say, God, I don't think he's done yet. Please heal Dennis. Every day I'm asking, heal Dennis. I've got Christina in there. And, and I, John, when John was going through all of his stuff, I'm sorry I hadn't prayed specifically for you lately because you're doing better, so yay. But I pray for John, right? I'm praying every day that God would heal these people. 
And there's people you don't even know, and I'm praying this. And so in the mornings I would pray as I'm driving around the city, I'm praying. At night when Janie and I lay down, we're praying for these people. And sometimes we'll go, wait, who else do we need to mention? Oh, yeah, we need to mention them. And, and we'll pray for healing. You do that, right? So your health, you give that to God. How many of you, when your child has turned their back on God, you cry out to God to have mercy on your child and to rescue them and deliver them from sin and from, the, from, from any attack of the enemy? How many would you pray for your children if your children are far from God? You can look at my prayer journal and my kids are in my prayer journal every day. God, heal them, rescue them, call them, convict them of sin and use them for the glory of God for the rest of their lives. And I pray for Waylon every day. I pray, God, please let that little boy have a heart that hears you. I want him to hear your voice. I want him to obey you all the days of his life. You pray for your kids and your grandkids. When your kids are about to go off to college, you ever pray? Oh, dear God, put them in touch with the right people. We're always, we always pray, God, protect our kids from evil and evil people. When your wife is certain that you're wrong, do you ever ask God to change your mind? Some of you are like, no, that's impossible. Well, let me tell you, the scripture says with God, all things are possible. I'm digressing there. Here's what that means. If you've prayed those things, it means you've asked God into every area of your life, some of you, except money and possessions. And 2,000 years ago, our heavenly father knew that where the rubber meets the road for what you're devoted to is money. So here's what Jesus said later after he said, don't store up treasures on earth. Here's what he says. Store your treasures where? In heaven. Where moths and rust cannot destroy, thieves do not break in and steal. Where wherever your treasure is, there your desires, the desires of your heart will be also. If you have treasures on earth, your heart and your emotions are going to be on earth. All you have to do, if you look at your money and you start seeing where it goes, your heart follows that money. And Jesus said, the litmus test, the ultimate test of your devotion to God is how you handle money. And Jesus said, you're going to serve one of two things. You're going to serve God, you're going to serve money. He didn't say you're going to serve the devil, didn't say you're going to serve what? He said you're going to serve God or you're going to serve money. You can't do both. Over and over, he says, you're going to trust me with your eternity, your health, your children, your marriage, your singleness, your joblessness, your opportunities. Why then would you hold back your money? Now, Matthew, the guy who wrote the first um, book of the New Testament, um, he was a tax collector, and then he gets saved. He follows Jesus, and he writes down a whole bunch of parables for us of what Jesus said. And, and a parable explained the kingdom of God. And, and the kingdom of God is not some place you go. Here's actually the kingdom of God is the value system of God. That's the next one there. The kingdom of God is the value system of God. And how do we know what it's like? It's when Jesus invaded the earth, not only did he live it out, he taught us. He would say the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. And, and in one chapter, he's been talking about all of this stuff. And here's how he starts this parable. He says, again, again. Why? Because he says, I've been talking about this over and over again. It, the kingdom of God, the value system of God. Again, it is like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted wealth to them. See, in Jesus' parables, there's always a God figure and there's always an us figure. So somebody in Jesus' parable re represents the, the listeners and somebody represents God the Father. 
So the wealthy man who's entrusting all of his wealth to these servants is God, and the servants are us. So I have a question for you, and it's not a trick question. In this parable, the wealthy man entrusting some, some wealth to his servants, how much, what percentage of the wealth, go ahead and put that up there, Nate. What percentage belonged to the wealthy man of his money? Somebody tell me. 100. How much, what percentage belonged to the servants? Zero. So he gives one guy five bags, another guy two bags, and another bag, guy one bag, and that's irrelevant. How much he gave them is totally irrelevant. It's based on, on how they, they would handle it. But he says, I expect you to do with my wealth what I would do with my wealth, and when I come back, we'll settle up accounts. So the first two guys do great. They double the money. The last guy buries his money in the sand, and then the master comes back because here's the point. Here's the timeless principle. The master's going to come back. The owner of everything you have is not you. The owner is in heaven because in Psalm, I think it's 24.1. I wrote down 24, maybe 124.1. It says, the earth is mine. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. Don't you dare think it's yours. First two guys do great. The last guy doesn't. And the master comes back. And the issue is, what would you do with what I gave you? I mentioned this yesterday at Dennis's funeral. God's going to ask you two questions when you die. Number one, what would you do with my son? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. There's one way. Second question he's going to ask you when you stand before him, and and, and I can show you repeatedly in Scripture where you will be judged. It's what did you do with what I gave you? And you don't want to say, it just pissed up here. I don't know. Now, here's here's what you need to know. Because zero percentage belonged to the servants, they were managers, not owners. There's a huge difference here. Jesus showed up and he said, the kingdom of God is like this. There's a, there's a wealthy man, that's God, who allowed some other people to, to take care of some of God's stuff. That's you and me, or if, if you're a follower of Christ. And here's what I want you to understand. No matter how much money you make or you don't make, there's no reason to be embarrassed by that because why? It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to someone else. See, a money manager doesn't feel guilty A money manager feels responsible. A money manager feels accountable. If your money could talk today, it would say, I don't belong to you. I belong to someone else. So I want you to, if you have any money on you, some of you don't, I want you to take it out. Come on, real quick. Take it out. We got Mexican stack up to get to. I want you to take out, it can be a dollar, it can be a Benjamin. I don't know what's bigger than that. I don't know. I hadn't had one of those. And I want you to say to your money, I don't own you. You don't own me. I don't own you. Say it. You don't own me. The reason we've got to keep track of where our money is going is because it's not our money. 
We need to know where the master's money is going. So I want you to create a system for two months. If you want to do the everydollar.com, totally free, and it's so simple to set up. If you want to do the Ramsey Plus, 1075, you can pay for a year. You, I guess you can pay monthly. I don't even know. But that's what tomorrow morning, that's what I'm going to be doing is setting up Ramsey Plus so that it's so easy that all I have to do is once a month print that out, and I see exactly where everything's gone. And by Thanksgiving, we're going to be making some adjustments, and I hope you are too. Know this, the master's going to ask you where it went. And here's why. This is, it's not that he's stingy. Here's why the master's going to ask you. How we manage our money speaks volumes about who we are and whose we are. Don't ever, don't ever claim to be a fully devoted follower of Christ if you serve the God of money. Don't ever claim that you love the body of Christ, the church, the bride of Christ. If you've never done one single thing, not given one single penny for the care of the bride, you're a liar. See, if you pay attention to, what, to where your money's going, you'll live better, you'll love better, You'll be more generous, you'll have less fear, and you'll have far more purpose in your life. Let me repeat those because I want you to understand this. If you pay attention to where your money's going, you'll live better, love better, be more generous, have less fear, have far more purpose because everybody around you is seeing this. Your money says, what you choose to do with me speaks volumes about who you are and whose you are. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you that you have given us instructions about how we should do life. And if we want to be filled with joy, we've got to follow you. If we want to be filled with regret and fear and all those other things, then, then we, we can serve money. Teach us what it's like to follow you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.